0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tulip's newest podcast, Behind the Ops. Today, we're lucky to have with us Dave Staley from RBW. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Dave, to get us started here, do you mind giving us a little bit of background on who you are, your education, and what brought you to RBW?
1: Sure. I actually have a college education in fine art. That's where I started. So, it was kind of a weird path, but that's kind of lost as a student. But I went to Pratt Institute, which is a pretty good school. Um, my education was in fine art. I was probably like the least romantic fine artist in that like program. And I didn't necessarily fit in there, I would say. And if I had to sum up the type of work I was making, I was making very process type art. I went in for painting in particular at the onset, and I was making what I would call non-representational painting, as paintings that don't look like anything, and kind of highlighting the process. And I kind of mentioned that because I'm sure most people I work with are surprised that I have a fine art background, but really what I was working through as a student at that time was just like the process of art making, and I was pretty interested in that. And what really uh, set off my career, though, is I had gotten a job at an ice cream shop, And I started off as a scooper, scooping ice cream, but eventually I was able to get into the kitchen, the production kitchen. And that was like the best thing that ever happened to me. I was really elated to finally get into the kitchen. And that's when I would say I started my career in production and kind of manufacturing. And so uh, making ice cream kind of small, we, we would pasteurize everything. We'd make all the ingredients. I was pretty good at breaking eggs and separating the egg yolk from the egg white. And then I kind of hopped around. I used to work at weddings and climb up the ladders and be the guy who like put up tall lights and whatnot. And then eventually, I found RBW, which is uh, an LED lighting manufacturer. And I had a friend who works nearby their their showroom, and I just kind of learned about it and I just applied. And so I got I got the job pretty easily. They had like a build demo, and I'm pretty good at putting things together, especially with my like experience in fabrication. I won't go too far, but I I worked at like a window display. So I, I had experience as a carpenter in shops. And so when I went to RBW, which was at 2016, so it was about five years ago. So it's hard, you know, same company for about five years. And I started off as just a product builder.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned that you started in the showroom side of RBW. Do you mind describing what then got you into operations?
1: Sure. I used to produce the products and I think my demeanor is kind of just like I'm pure business. Like I I go to work and I'm there to hustle through it. And so I like kind of high tempo. I think like pressure, an example, I think like pressure is kind of a privilege to be in a place where you're under pressure. And I kind of like that. And RBW, there's kind of a a big benchmark where they had grown over like 200%, which sounds like I'm lying, but that's true. It It was a lot. And so I had developed myself as a reputation, I think of just being pretty quick at building and pretty good at teaching others build. And so what I kind of carved out for myself was a position where I was kind of the go-to to create the documentation, a loose sense of manufacturer work instructions of how to produce the products. And that was kind of based on my experience of my fine art background. So my ability to manipulate images, like I have a lot of Photoshop experience. And then when I was growing up, I was actually a big model car person. And so like, I think my ability to communicate in drawing and in person was really a strong asset of mine. So I was kind of leaned upon to generate the documentation for products. And I quickly became the guy in the studio who knew how to build everything. And I think that was a really kind of important launching pad for myself.
0: I didn't know you were into model cars, actually. I was too.
1: I believe it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's great. So you mentioned that RBW underwent some pretty aggressive growth. Do you mind describing some of the challenges that this meant for you, for the team, and the company as a whole?
1: Sure. I mean, the demand was definitely there, but our capacity was never quite there, I think, especially in this growth. And so at that time, I came in as the title of a product specialist. Eventually, I became the production scheduler, which really just meant that I was facilitating like what work orders went to what stations and who was building it. And then eventually, I became the production manager. And that was really challenging because I was the production manager. So I was trying to onboard and get more people on. So that was the challenge was like getting enough people to produce the products, making sure that they would be able to produce it based on the information provided to them and kind of reducing the amount of heavy lifting it would take to teach somebody if there's kind of documentation to support and really kind of multiply it. And so, yeah, we're really trying to expand the number of operators the documentation to support it. And then at that time, our facility was actually expanding to provide some more space because we didn't really have quite enough space for everybody. So it was a really wild time expanding and that really pressed my project management skills, getting kind of the shelving in, moving inventory around, moving people around, onboarding new people. And so that was definitely a pretty chaotic time that I carry with me. You know, and yeah. it was a really good experience for
0: sure. Yeah, sure. Sounds like it. I mean, especially if you like high pressure environment, it seems like a great environment to thrive in. So now transitioning over to some of the technologies, so these new technologies that we're seeing on manufacturing floors, do you mind painting the picture of what was being used at RBW and some of the challenges that you were facing?
1: When we first started, the way that we managed work orders was just kind of through a simple, almost like calendar, like software and then we used this ERP, which we would use in parallel. And it was really like clunky. Every time I did something in the software, I'd have to go to the ERP software and update the same thing. And if they were out of sync, it was like kind of a nightmare. So then we made a big move to go under NetSuite, which is an ERP. And that's how we got the work order and the bill of materials together, which was great. But there was a lot of blind spots. There's blind spots in terms of documentation, there's blind spots in terms of like duration and time. And so every time we'd be like, how long does it take to build widget A? And I'd be like, I don't know, it takes me 20 minutes. And like, that was how official we were. Eventually, I think what really was the biggest launch was when we integrated Tulip onto our shop floor. And our like gateway entry to that was kind of like the duration. Like when I first started, I would use a kitchen clock and a piece of paper and I would hit the timer, build the product, hit stop. And I'd grab like my pencil write in this book. And I would do that however amount of times. And then I would photograph it in this like really low res picture, email it to my colleague, and then he would manually enter it into NetSuite. And it was just like really inefficient. So I don't know exactly how we connected with TULUP, but I think that was kind of the guidepost leading into this like industry 4.0 journey that we started, which was maybe like a little less than halfway in my career at RVW. And so The last thing I'll introduce. So yeah, there's the time element of it. And then like producing the labels, I'll give like an antidote of our box labels is we used to have a PDF that had like 500 different images for all the different files. And the idea was like you would select the page and then print that one page. But like every once in a while, somebody would not be thinking they'd print all 500 slips and it would just make like a total mess and it it required a lot of manual entry and so with tulip we were able to kind of streamline that the apps that were created were really simple you would just log in and it would tell you what to build maybe provide some documentation and then once you were done you would enter in some information on that and you could produce the box labels and these compliance labels all from the app which doesn't sound like too crazy, but it's actually a lot more work than you would think. And so that was yeah. pretty cool.
0: <laughs> That's interesting. It's quite a transition from kitchen timers to these solutions that you're building. So I imagine that as you learn these new skills and new technologies, uh, your responsibilities change and you were getting tapped on the shoulder to work on projects that you otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to work on. Do you mind describing that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think it was less about my skills, but I think my like capability And I think when I started to integrate the digital solutions, which it took me a long time to kind of master them, but I think it's really hard to beat these digital solutions to these real world problems, you know, such as simple as just like grabbing the paper and writing it down. Like there's like a term like paralysis by documentation. And so everything's really slow because you're so busy. And I think in the apps that I would develop, I was really trying to develop things that went with the flow of the natural behavior. So The last thing I wanted to do was tell someone like, hey, stop what you're doing and hit this thing and then keep going. It's like if they're going to hit something, then I can build in like a trigger or a timestamp on that. So kind of going with the flow, so to say, in terms of how I would deploy the apps. But I think my capability to implement digital solutions was really sought after, because honestly, there's a lot of problems, you know, over five years. And I think sometimes when you dig into one problem, it turns out to be a, a much deeper problem and much deeper in the layer. And I think that I had kind of was able to establish my capacity to be able to address those problems in a meaningful, long term way, utilizing some of that technology.
0: I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, interfaces are used by people. And so it's really important to design them in such a way in which they're user friendly and intuitive to use for anyone who gets started with an app. So it really sounds like your background in design really helped shape some of the decisions that you were making.
1: Definitely. I I would always kind of say like Google Sheets is a good place for information to die. You know, you're like typing in this information and then someone stops opening up the file and then it gets old. A year, like six months later, someone opens up the file and they're like, you guys haven't been using this, you know, and it's like that happens all the time. And so it's really important to me to create solutions that really resonate with the user. And I think it's important that they're drawn to it. And I think that's how you'll find success in those solutions is when the user actually believes in those solutions.
0: I 100% agree. So now focusing a little bit on the solution, you mentioned that previously it was quite clunky. It was easy for information to get lost or go into some sheet that no one was using. Do you mind describing a little bit the solution you built and how it helped streamline some of the processes? I think
1: the first one that was really challenging was just integrating um, NetSuite with Tulip. Obviously, I had some help navigating that. And I think like there's this idea of like contractors where somebody can do the work and they could set it up to you. Um, but I think what that leads to is it actually reduces your agility. So I think that was kind of a driving force of me learning some of the technology, such as using APIs or using ZPL, was giving myself agency to be able to address forcomings or improvements as they went through. But some of the projects that I worked on was definitely the integration. And that's because all our work orders were in NetSuite. And so seamlessly getting a work order to an operator getting the bill of materials to the operator. And once they consume the parts, taking those parts from NetSuite. And I know that sounds like really simple, but it's actually really kind of complex in contrast to maybe like just using pen and paper or... So that's one example. Another example that was a little more recent was we would do an inventory count in our facility once a year. And the way that worked is we'd have these little notepads of paper and somebody would like write down the skew of something, count it. And then someone else would take that piece of paper, like on another layer, write it down, whatever. And then they would give it to somebody else. And then that person would like type into an Excel sheet, the SKU and the quantity. And what would happen all the time is someone would walk like a hundred feet out of their office where the computers are and come to the floor and say like, Hey, is that an I or is that a J? You know, it's not returning anything. And that's, that's in a sheet. And then that Google sheet or Excel CSV document, would be transferred into NetSuite. And so it's like all these kind of loose chains and opportunities for things, just like a lot of friction. And that process would take several days, like three or four days just to count things. And that's us not building product. That's affecting our customers' lead times. And so what I created was an app that people would just scan the part number, count it, and that would automatically input to a table, which could be pushed directly to NetSuite. And the way that we would do is you would count it once. And then the second person would scan it and count it a second time. And I could compare those two values. And if it was like 1% off, whatever, we'll just take the lowest value. If it's more than 25%, then we're like, okay, we'll check that again. And I think we're able to reduce not only the process time, which is great for just like numbers, but I feel like the frustration of just counting the objects and doing that was totally eliminated. And so... That app I put together like kind of slapdash and pretty quickly. That's what I kind of like about Tulip is the ability to just deploy something really easily. It's okay if it's not really that great on the first go. It's really easy to update it through. And so I'm more of a just do it and then improve on that rather than planning or sending it to a consultant or a contractor. And then they send something back to me and they did exactly what I asked them to do, but not what I wanted. And so I think that kind of agency is really important. And I think that's when something really clicked in me in that like when we first used the technology it was about just like fulfilling work orders but it really brought to light of like we can actually solve a lot more problems with this thing and that was kind of a really awesome experience for me
0: that's interesting this is such a different story from what you were describing earlier about these sheets where there's information living that it just kind of goes to die i mean Definitely apps are intended to be iterated upon and improved upon and always kind of in a state of continuous improvement.
1: Yeah. And actually, I wanted to add one last detail is that it's really important that some of the software connects to each other and integrations have become really important to me. And the way I think of the analogy is when a cook is cooking, they have like the mise en place. They have all the things they need, all the ingredients in front of them. And as we have kind of used these softwares, if they're all like really stretched down, we're kind of bringing them closer and closer to produce this product. And that's something that's really like highlighted in my development and my experience with utilizing the technologies, really knowing how to make the technologies connect and communicate with each other has been probably the most awesome aspect of it. And I think there's only so much more opportunities or growth on that that you can always bring in something else and develop this it's not a static experience i think it's always going to be developing and growing in my personal career anyone who's pursuing kind of a technical pursuit
0: yeah that's really interesting you say that i mean once the scope becomes broader and you know you start bringing in more information for more integrations it really kind of expands the horizons of what's possible So as the years go by and you become more comfortable with these new technologies that you're learning, what new opportunities or new possibilities have presented themselves to you because of these new skills that you have?
1: I've got like a funny answer, which may not be like the best direct one and maybe I'll take another swing at it. But something that was funny is when I first started using Tulip to NetSuite, I was using APIs to communicate to one another, but I had actually no idea what an API was. Like I would just call it a connector function. And it wasn't until like maybe a year of using the technology that I finally learned that I was like, oh, that's an API the way that like Google maps or all these apps that we use every day, I was like, it's all APIs. like, they're all just software talking to one another. And I would liken it to like learning that I actually am totally fluent in French or something like that, you know? So that was pretty incredible. And I think that was a really profound moment for me in in my personal development, but I think the opportunities that it's afforded me, and I've been, I think this journey has kind of taken place so far just at RBW, but I held the title of production manager for quite a while. Now I'm in a role called the manufacturing change manager, and I'm leaned upon to integrate solutions in many different facets of our business, which I find very engaging and very challenging. And I think I've been able to create a reputation for delivering on what I seek out to do or really understanding a problem. And, you know, that's a mixture of obviously technical solutions, but I think also empathy in working with others and really empathetic with your client and not like empathetic, like I feel bad for them, but really understanding their problems holistically and really trying to address them in a meaningful way. But I think in terms of my career growth, I think it's definitely kind of risen the caliber of problems I'm given the opportunity to solve. And an example, our place of business, RBW, we're relocating to a much larger facility. And I'm leaned upon to facilitate the whole plant layout. You know, I have consultants helping me out in the journey, but I'm leaned upon because of my experience of using industry 4.0 technology and really designing things with the mindset that it's going to be augmented even further down the line. So kind of future-proofing whatever we're doing. And I think that's like... You know, if I had seen myself in art school years ago and thought that I would be taking on a challenge like that, I don't think I would really would have had that opportunity or really believed in that industry 4.0 technology like it's never going to go away. And so I think it's really important to continue to embrace it and kind of really stay ahead and stay in the know And I'm not the best at that. But I think once I really understand something, I can really kind of hone in on it and master it. And that's something that I plan on continuing to use for the rest of my career, whether I'm making um, LED lights or I go back to making ice cream. Who knows? But I think that some of those tools will never go away, you know?
0: Yeah. So right now, I mean, there's a lot of buzz and excitement around industry 4.0. So what would you recommend to a student who's kind of getting into manufacturing and starting to look around and understanding what technologies are available?
1: You know, I I think there's a lot of layers to that. I think in terms of like entry into the field, I think whatever someone works at, I think it's really important to work really hard and to not feel entitled to opportunities and really work through it. And I feel kind of a a testament to that, you know, being an ice cream scooper and eventually coming into the kitchen and that kind of really launched that. So in terms of like entry, I think it's just important to always put your back into it and really hustle. And then in terms of apps, my advice is to just really pay attention to those things around you. And what I mean by that is like, what apps do you find yourself using all the time? I think a really inspiring app for me, and hopefully this isn't like a tough plug, but chess.com, I, I picked up chess back in 09. And I've seen this website change its UI and go through all these different iterations. And that's actually probably one of my main source inspirations for how I designed my app on my shop floor. And I think of like the seamlessness of using Google Maps or these kind of apps where you don't need to like teach somebody how to use it. You just know how to use that. And I think like those kind of design motifs are things you should be cognizant of. So when you're designing something, you can kind of take inspiration from that. And I'll kind of cycle back to like art making that you need to understand the masters or get a good foundation before you can really create something unique. And I really encourage those young entrepreneurs to really understand the scope of it before you try to insert yourself into it so much and really try to get the whole picture.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really agree with you. I think it's you know definitely learning from solutions that are out there today that work really well, you know, whether it's chess.com or other apps that we use on a daily basis. It's really a good and useful tool to go and do research on how others are building. And so thinking a little bit about the future of manufacturing and operations, is there something that excites you particularly?
1: It kind of pulls me back to how I got started. I think back to just making art. When I was doing that, I really wanted to be understood or like connect with people. And I think once I got into manufacturing, I never looked back because I was making a product that people were using and consuming. And then I think what's really inspired me with manufacturing recently. Is the impact that you can have not just on your clients but the people who are producing the product or what like a business or an enterprise can really provide to a community and so an example RBW where i work is a B core company, and that means that we 're socially and environmentally cognizant of what we 're doing and I think that that can really be a force for good, and I think that 's a really powerful concept and so Working with others and giving other people agency to succeed, I think having applications that are easy to pick up this kind of like low code motion, I think really gives a lot more agency to the public wide. And I think that manufacturing is kind of a great starting point for that. And the light fixtures that we make can really transform not just like the environment where the light occupies, but the environment at large and the communities that are, are there. And I think the last chapter I'll introduce is RBW, where I'm at. We're relocating upstate to Kingston, New York, which was once like the top of the world when uh, IBM was there. So IBM was there and eventually IBM moved out. And I think that really made an impact on there. And I think setting up a new business at this former IBM building and really kind of inserting a new sense of life into that area and being kind of a leader in this technology sector of Industry 4.0, I think it's really engaging and exciting, and I don't think it's ever gonna go away. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I could see myself in manufacturing for probably the rest of my life, because the last thing I'll plug in is that it's a lot of people working on something that really creates these awesome products. It's not just one person. And I think kind of coordinating that is the power that I'm trying to learn how to harness, and these technical solutions really provide that opportunity.
0: What a great note to end on. It's been really interesting to hear about how your interests and your career have kind of shaped where you are today. It's also really exciting to hear about the new facility in Kingston. And we're eager to see and curious to see how your skills and abilities allow you to build useful solutions there and beyond. With that, Dave, I really wanted to thank you for joining. It's been great having you here on the show and we'll see you around.
1: Cool. Thanks for having me.
0: Behind the Ops is brought to you by Tulip connected people, machines, devices, and systems used in your production and logistics processes with our revolutionary no-code frontline operations platform. Visit tulip.co to learn more. This show is produced by myself, Giovanni Carrara, and edited by Tom Obarski. If you enjoyed listening, one really easy way to support the show is to leave us a quick rating or even review in iTunes as it really helps other folks find the show. If you have any feedback, you can reach us at giovanni at tulip.co. Thank you for listening to Behind the Ops. We'll see you next time.